0: Hey girl, Heather Nelson here. Welcome to Live Conversations with a Twist. I'm so excited to build a community where I inspire and empower women who are going through hard times. I can't wait to share with you women who have unique stories and have overcome hard times in their life. So grab your favorite cocktail, lean in, and let's cheers to empowerment, ladies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Conversations with a Twist. I'm very excited to be in person, my first podcast in in person. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, Thank you, Allie, for giving me this opportunity to do it. Um, I actually just met Allie. We are in a co-work space together, and I'm just sitting there in the little lobby and minding on my own business. And she comes up to me, and she's like, why do you look so familiar? And we just got to talking and she started talking about her story and I'm like, I need to know more. She's also a podcaster. Um, and where we're at has its own little like podcast studio. And so I was like, Oh my God, this is so fun. So, um, thank you for giving me all the tools and helping me get, (laughs) of course, it's so much better in person. So much better. Yeah. I mean, that was like my whole goal for my podcast is to like have a glass of wine and sit back and like have these conversations. But with the pandemic, we know what happened. Um, so maybe I'll get back into it. Yeah, you can have people here. Yeah, <laughs> super fun. So Allie, um, thanks for being here. And I'm super excited to hear about your story. You've had a, a crazy journey, it sounds like. Um, so and if,
1: introduce yourself, yeah. where are you from, who you are, all the things. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and just share my story and talk to you about everything. Um, So my name is Allie Cates. I am a certified trauma-informed coach and emotional health coach. And what my business focuses on is helping people move the emotional charge out of their body. So my story kind of starts, I grew up in Shingle Springs, which is like a small town outside of Placerville. Have you ever heard of it? I know where Placerville is, so I'm familiar with the area. Okay. Yeah. So it's up on highway 50. It's like the town right below Placerville. And I went through childhood trauma, developmental trauma. Um, my and then my parents got divorced when I was fifteen. Moved to Marin County. Fast forward, I'm post college, like three months post college, and um, we lose three friends within nine months of one another. One to cancer, one to an accident. Actually, two to an accident. And then from that point on, I was going back to these funerals over and over again. And cause we went on to lose, our community went on to lose seven people in two and a half years. So we were going back to a lot of funerals. It felt like at this time, it's like every time we got a phone call, it's like, who's the person that passed away. It was really traumatic. And I had been to, you know, talk therapy, CBD, EMDR, psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, all these different types of modalities. Cause I always had struggled with my mental health and, all of these therapists were like, you're fine. You're scrappy. Like You get what's going on. You're using the tools that we're giving you. But I just felt it in my body so much that there was this charge that was really intense. And then when these three people passed away in a short amount of time, that's when all of my pain and suppressed memories came up really strongly. And I was really depressed, really low, was having suicidal ideation at 22 and was like, I don't know you know, and everything on paper looked perfect. I'd moved in with my boyfriend who was like my high school sweetheart and we have a house and like everything on paper is like, okay, she's taken care of. So why is she like, why is her mental health struggling so bad? And I found a trauma therapist and a trauma coach that was able to help me actually move the physical charge out of my body. So now I'm becoming a somatic experience practitioner to help people do the same thing. Um, and that's like, so 22 and then I'm 26 and we're three weeks before our wedding and I get diagnosed with late stage Lyme, a whole list of autoimmunity, go on this healing, this like physical healing journey. Cause my, my physical health was crashing and burning and I sat in an IV, IV room for nine and a half months, six to eight hours a day, three to four times a week, to sometimes five and just crashed. Like I had a dark night of the soul kind of like ego death, um, and i knew that i had to really become the person that i always thought i would be when i was like 45 or 50 after i had like done a career or like done the nonprofit you know bout that i was working towards but it was in the iv room that i came up with my business idea and, and coaching and helping people move through hard times it's so interesting
0: that when you go through like a trauma or you go through something in your life. And at the time it's like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get through this? How am I gonna move through this? Yeah. That everyone that I've ever talked to, it's like it's such a learning experience that on the other side of it, they've become this different person yeah. and like wanting to help others that have gone through that. Yeah. And it sounds like that's where your head was at.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I there was a research at, I think it was Stanford University. And they had brought in people that had been through, you know, trauma, had lost people, et cetera, had like trauma that kind of ran the gamut, right? Because it's not just going to war, being raped or sexually assaulted when we think of trauma like a car accident Um, and brought in all these people and had them write down on the whiteboard, what was the thing that, you know, was the most traumatic in their life. And so everyone wrote down what the story was. And then they said, here's an eraser. If I could give you a magic eraser, would you erase the thing that happened to you? but you would also erase all the lessons that you learned from this and no one got up to erase it because even though those things are awful and hard and we like never want to go through them again, that has shaped me into the woman that I am today. And even though I would never go back to that, I would never want to go back to that. It's like I've gotten so many lessons out of the trauma and out of the pain. That's like the post-traumatic growth that we don't talk about a lot. Yeah. I know that was, you know, when I,
0: had this idea for life conversations with a twist. That was my goal was that everyone has their own story. They've all gone through their own thing. um, And they've all learned from that and they want to help other people. And I think our society makes us in this little box that we're not allowed to talk about, postpartum, depression, um, divorce, you know, all those things that we go through, nobody wants to talk about them. And I wanted this this community and this platform to be able to talk about it because there's going to be someone that's listening to this that's like, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. And I, it kind of like normalizes what is going on. And now you oh, have right. someone that you can reach out to because you need that support system. You know, you need those people that are like, I've been through this and I'm going to be able to get through it yeah.
1: and just be able to support each other. So. For sure. I felt that when I first got diagnosed, I remember reaching out to like a blogger who we've become dear friends in Sonoma County. Cause she was the only one that was posting about like Lyme in Sonoma County. And I was just like, Taylor, please help me. Like, And we've become fast friends. Um, but you feel really alone and you feel like you're the only person going through it. And not because you're like, egotistical, like not because you don't think that anyone else is going through what you're going through, but exactly what you're saying, because no one else is talking about it in a big way. Like even trauma, when I tell people, because I'm like in the space, right? So when I tell people, oh yeah, I'm in mental health and I'm a trauma-informed coach and yada, 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 and I give my kind of spiel, people are like, oh, so you only deal with people that have gone to war in like car accidents. And I'm like, no, 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 because we, but we don't, it's not normalized, but I think it is because I'm only following people that are talking about trauma you know so it's like it doesn't have to be this like death it's always it like trauma
0: can be so many different things for so different people so many different things
1: it's really about what left your nervous system after the event so i always like to give the example of like you have person a and person b and they both witness a car accident and if person a comes from a home where they've learned how to discharge their emotional charge in the body and they've been able to find the tools and the resources to actually work through you know when they're having pain, like emotional pain, instead of saying, stop crying. And then they're suppressing those emotions. And then person B, who maybe came from a home that didn't learn how those tools, when they both watch a car accident, we're just going to, and we're going to assume this, right? Mm -hmm. Person B that doesn't have the tools is going to be thinking about that car accident for three months later. Whereas person A is going to use their tools to discharge that emotional pain and continue on with their life. So it's really how trauma works is it's about how it left your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And if you have micro traumas, that can still add up to like a really big, you know macro trauma that we talk about. It's really how your body holds it. It's not how your brain holds it because we all, like we're all in our heads all every day. And I say this, it's like, if we could heal ourselves, we would, because we think about it over and over and over in our heads. I know. Especially like at night, you're like, can you just like shut this down? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah.
0: What do you think like was your biggest trauma in your life?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, there's one that I don't talk about publicly, um, but I would say along the similar lines is that I was raped when I was 15 and lost my virginity. And that was the biggest thing. And I I didn't believe it for a really long time. I actually forgot about it for a really long time until I um, remembered when I was like twenty-two and I was having these thoughts come back really strongly. Like I, I would talk to people about it because I like kind of remembered it and I'd be like, Oh, I got sexually assaulted when I was fifteen and and then it was like then these flood of memories was coming back and that was is what was really scary. Well, and especially we talk
0: about not talking about it. Yeah. And I feel like that is something that nobody talks about. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend, we were hanging out one day and, um, you know, she's like my best friend and we've talked about everything. And she's like, I don't think I've ever told you guys, but like I was raped by two guys on one mm-hmm. night and like, I just never talked about it. And like, yeah. as a friend, you're like, how could you have never told me that? But nobody wants to like say that or they're yeah. ashamed of it or, you know, and I feel like that for women, like that is
1: kind of where the start is. It's huge. that's happened to you. It's huge. I mean, I feel like I didn't even use that word until the last three years. And I always have like a pause before I say it because I'm like, Ugh, this is going to be censored or this is going to be edited or someone's going to be triggered by me saying that because it it's going to bring a flashback of theirs up. And so I'm always trying to be cautious about how I use it. But- Yeah, I mean, your body remembers. So, my body was showing physical signs of that trauma that happened to me. And, you know, it's interesting to, it's not interesting, but when you have trauma and you have pain that's stored in your body, it manifests physically. So, it manifests in autoimmunity, it manifests in disease, it manifests in cancer. Hmm. And 70%, like, so then I went on to have endometriosis, I had a life saving. Life-changing, not life-saving, life-changing endometriosis surgery about a year and a half ago. And 70% of women that have endo have been sexually assaulted or raped. Wow. And it's like, no crap, because that's where the trauma is stored in your body. So of course it's going to turn on itself. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is? Endometriosis? Yes. Yeah. So it's essentially when you have your cycle every month and you like shed your uterine lining. Instead of actually shedding it, it's going back and being reabsorbed in your body and it's creating these little attachments to parts of your body. So it can be like your bowel, your rectum, your liver, your kidney. And the stage of endometriosis is relative to how high it goes up in your body. So people with stage four can have it in their lungs, very rarely like in their brains. Um, and it causes a whole host of things. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And you think, well, you, you know that that has come from
1: childhood trauma. I mean, it's come from adolescent trauma for sure Yeah, is a big part of it. It's also come from, you know, when you have Lyme and you have something that's inflammatory in your body, then it's going to create like a breeding ground for more inflammation. So it's really like a trifecta. It's not just one thing. It's like a whole host of things. And I feel like that's the disservice that we're doing in like medical world is that we don't talk about how emotions. It's like, if you go in and say like, oh, I'm having, you know, really intense cycles, they'll be like, okay, well, it's all in your head. And then you think that you're crazy. And then, then, then you have anxiety and depression because, No one's addressing like, yeah, you probably have this thing. And also you have these emotions that are stored in your body. Like there's research out there. People are researching this in depth about how we hold trauma in our body. It's so crazy. What is your life? How is
0: your life now different from when you got diagnosed? Yeah. As far as like your, maybe your eating habits Mm -hmm. and, and all that, because I would imagine that you have now, change your mindset yeah, of how to manage that.
1: So before I got diagnosed, I was doing wild like cleanses and stuff because I knew that my body was, there was something off, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, so I was doing these like wild, like <laughs> isogenics like cleanses where you like wouldn't eat for two days and you would like be on this, like just liquid with like a chocolate. It was wild. It was literally wild. And I think too, for me personally, and I feel like I can speak on behalf of most women is that we have a disordered way of looking at ourselves. Like there's always this struggle around food or how we look versus, you know, there's always, there's always something. I feel like every woman has a story around that. Um, and I was one of them. Mm -hmm. So because I got sick around the age of 12, that's when I was actually infected with Lyme Mm -hmm. and it was misdiagnosed as Hashimoto's and a thyroid condition. Um, because Lyme is like the great mimicker. So it literally mimics so many things. And I had put on like 30 pounds in two and a half months. And I remember going to the thyroid or the, oh my God. What's the thyroid doctor called? I totally just blanked that. no it. Endocrinologist. Okay. <laughs> and they were like, okay, you should be feeling better. Like you should be losing weight. And I remember just thinking like, okay, the doctors are telling me this. I'm 13. So why am I not, like they know everything at this point. Because I'm like so young, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would- You know, do kind of wild things. So, ever since I've been about the age of 13, I've always been super conscious around what I put in my food, what I eat, what I drink. Like, even in high school, people would come and just like ball out and have all the Cheetos and the bread and everything. And it's like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't eat that way because I knew that my body would have a reaction to it. So, I've always been really conscious, like overly conscious to the point where it has become not healthy. There was like in freshman year of college, it was like very unhealthy um, and was never like eating disordered, but there was, you know, some like mental stuff around how to eat. And then, so I, i had always been healthy in quotes. I'd always like, I was like drinking the green smoothies. And, you know, when I got diagnosed, I remember two people that were really important at the time of my life. One of them saying, you know, you need to go get rechecked because there's no way that you have this. Because I was teaching bar in town, like a bar class like Pilates. And I was working out after work and drinking smoothies, doing all the things, like was super healthy. super so like, there's no way you're sick. You look great. You look fabulous. Even the doctor that tested me for Lyme was like, there's no way, but we're just going to run the panel. And I was like, if we run the panel and it comes back negative, then we can talk about how I'm hypochondriac. But if it comes back positive, then like, then we know. Right. And it came back positive for like three other things as well as Lyme. So, yeah, I mean, I would say my long story long is that my the way that I view food is very intuitive now versus being really regimented. Before it was really, really regimented because it's like I couldn't have this food or then I would get an inflammation or I couldn't have broccoli or salad or like weird stuff that's really healthy. And now I'm more just like, okay, what does my body want and what is it feeling and giving it that. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Now, after
0: all this has, you've gone through this, you're having this moment when you're like, okay, I something, I need to help others. Yeah. What, what did you take to get there? And what is it that you're doing now to help your clients?
1: Yeah. I mean, what it took was at first it was, similarly to you is that I was sitting in this IV room and I, I was really just listening to what everyone had to say. I I did a lot of listening in that IV room because people, you get all different walks of life. You get CEOs, you get, you know, individuals like myself that are younger. You have people that are in their eighties and they're struggling with their health. Right. So I did a lot of listening. And when I first started my business idea, it was going to be a podcast talking about people that have been through hard things because I'm like, oh my God, this is really hard and other people need to know about struggles and mental health, et cetera. So it was starting a podcast called the Pivot Podcast, which is now It's Okay to Not Be Okay podcast. Um, And then I was gonna do a, a healing retreat called the Pivot Project where people could come and try on different healing methods because I knew that there were other modalities that I was using for my mental health to you know, keep my physical health up. And that has shifted tremendously because one COVID hit and I was going to start my first retreat in May of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then I had like a friend that was also kind of a business mentor and she's like, you have to be the face of your business now. Like you have to, because I was like, I just want to be the magician in the back and I want to bring everyone together and this is how it's going to go. And I don't want to be front and center at all. And then I had to work on getting my coaching practice up and together, getting um, my certifications. And so then in 2021 is when I started seeing clients around mental and emotional health.
0: It's interesting because, um, and I am total, I I absolutely, this is my mindset is you have to have it all figured out. You have to know, like, you know, I've always thought about doing consulting, but I feel like, well, I can't do it until I know exactly what it is. And it's like, just try it, do the things, see what fits, see what people are adapting to. And, and yeah, so. I'm glad that you were like, okay, yes, you pivoted. We hate that word. Yeah. But like you were able to kind of like figure out what um, is best for you. What um, what kind of programs and stuff are you doing with your clients? Do you do one-on-one? Do you do grow, group? Like what is it that you're doing with your clients?
1: Yeah, I'm just focusing right now on one-on-one. So that's where, I mean, especially I would love to do a group program. I actually had a pro- group program that was going to start in November and a couple people signed up. And I was like, this just doesn't feel aligned right now. So I'm the same way as like I – am a recovering perfectionist. So like messy action is my best friend right now. Um, but yeah, right now it's just one-on-one clients. What is the goal for future? So many things. (laughs) (laughs) I dream really big as you should. Yeah. Um, I mean, the goal is to continue to help clients in a one-on-one capacity and to really just amplify this message around trauma, healing and emotional health. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned in my own healing journey is like you don't have to be what you're told you are. So if you're a victim of trauma, like that doesn't have to be your identity or if you are diagnosed with a disease or whatever the thing is, that doesn't have to be who you are. Like Mm -hmm. your past doesn't have to define your present and your future. And that's like my biggest message and I'm living proof of that because if I didn't find my trauma coach and help me move the emotional charge out of my body, I would have, I don't know if I would have been here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts around mental health? Because, um, especially pa- pa- uh, past <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. We, I believe in how many times we've said pandemic. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know that there's so much mental health. There's mm-hmm. so many mental health issues, especially like with children. Um, how are you
1: seeing the mental health world now, post-pandemic and mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. It's interesting. When I was telling people what I wanted to do at, like, end of 2019, 2020, people were like, okay, that's weird. And then now they're like, oh, yeah, we really need it. I think we're in a pandemic. I think we're in a mental health. I always say epidemic, but I think we're in a mental health pandemic. Like, I think the world is, if you didn't have pain and emotional charge in you know, trauma before 2020, or maybe you weren't aware of it, it's like now you're very aware of it because you've had time to sit with yourself and not go out and like have happy hour with your friends or like to distract you from what's actually going on in your body and your in your mind, right? So I think we are in a pandemic with our mental health. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we need more people who want to teach and help and support people. And that's, yeah. you know, part of what I because I wanted to be a life coach actually during the pandemic. Cause yeah. I was like, rah, rah. Like I actually benefited in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think I was one of my like the true to myself during that time. And I actually had a baby uh, for someone else as a surrogate mom. And I had that baby March of twenty twenty and then wow. like two weeks later went to a pandemic. Yeah. And for most people they would have just shattered, you know, it's like you know, we were, hope- I was hoping to go back to work and I was hoping to be around people to kind of distract from that. But I wasn't, I was home yeah, by myself a lot of the times. yeah. Um, and I wanted to be a life coach. And then, you know, I, I still want to be, cause I know there's such a need. yeah. And if, you know, when I have conversations with people of like lifting them up or like giving them the encouragement to move on or like take this hard time and learn from it to be a better person, I'm like, okay, I, they need more of me yeah, and I need to go down. yeah,, that
1: route. you do for yeah. sure. I felt like you know, my business came alive in the pandemic because I was quarantined before people were in quarantine. So because I was in an ivy room and had a port, I had to be I was already compromised. So I was quarantining from July twenty nineteen on. So I had like six months ahead of kind of six plus months ahead of what people were feeling. And, you know, as bad as this is to say, but when the pandemic hit, I felt like more um, solidarity because people were home. And even though I wasn't seeing them, I was like, Oh, I'm not missing out on anything. Mm -hmm. And I get how this feels because I've been home and I can't see people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How is your health now? It's doing so much better. I'm like almost fully healed from Lyme. I've been doing bee venom therapy through the heel hive, which is the only thing that has ever helped for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, just working on it, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm at like the last like 15%, but. So Lyme disease can go away. It can. Fun fact. It can. Okay. Most people say that it can't. And I was one of those because the treatments out there don't help. If you don't get it within three months of actually getting bit by a tick, if you don't get like antibiotics within three months of getting a tick, it turns chronic Mm -hmm. and then they'll put you on. Like I was bit when I was 13, but at 26, I was getting three different types of antibiotics a day. Wow. Yeah. Which it, doesn't help. You remember getting bit by a tick. I don't. You don't. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you know that it happened and then, cause it wasn't like you did it and then you're like, okay, I have it. I have it. I have it. No one believes me. No. But it was like one of those things you didn't even know.
1: I didn't even know. Wow. Yeah. I was like 12, 12 going on 13 and had gained 30 pounds in two months. I was sleeping 20 hours a day. Like no one at that age is doing that. You know, I wouldn't even, my mom would be like, let's go shopping. And I like, wouldn't even get out of bed. Mm. It was awful. Yeah.
0: Who was your biggest support system during this time? I would say my husband
1: and my friends, like my close kind of knit friends. Um, and my parents and my family for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is your relationship with your husband now? It's so much stronger. I'm sure. Yeah. We, you know, grew up together. We parted ways in college and then got back together. And it was hard because like I came back, we came back from our honeymoon and two weeks later I was in an IV room. So it was, the honeymoon period was over. Um, But yeah, it's made us really stronger. Um, We've both been working on our mental health prior to that. We've both been going to therapy prior to that, but it was hard. Like the first year of marriage with your wife being that sick, Ryan was working like 60 hours a day. Like we were also dealing with a home that was brand new that had, high levels of mold. So I was getting mold poisoned. Like it was, it was intense. It was very intense, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, I would never go through it with anyone else. And I'm so grateful for him because he does the work on his own mental health. Like if I was with someone that didn't put in the work on their own mental health, we would not be together. I like just had this like thought that you are proof that like
0: bad things can happen in your life. I mean, you've, you know, you've been raped. You, your parents have gone through divorce. I mean, you've gone through so many things and you were here stronger than ever, like happy helping other people. And yeah. so if anyone's out there listening and I talk to a lot of people and they're like, it's just really hard right now or things are like really hard. And I always tell them like, this is a time, like it's a moment you're going to get through it. You're going to learn from it. You're going to be stronger and yeah. you are living proof that it can happen. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me, um, I want a little plug okay. for your
1: podcast That's because nice. I love hearing about other podcasts. Thank you. Yeah. It's the It's Okay to Not Be Okay podcast. So we talk about all things, mental health, trauma healing. We talk about just being a human in general. There's like a fake it till you make it episode on there. Um, we dive into kind of all the topics. So come check, it, check us out. We're on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. And then you can also find me on Instagram at AllieKates.co.
0: Perfect. So I'll put all your information in there and you you guys will have to follow her. I get to see her now at um, the co-work. What is (laughs) the Official name. It is a co-work,
1: right? Somo co-work. Yes. Yeah. (laughs)
0: You got it. Yeah, I love it. Um and fun fact, Allie and I have the same hairdresser. Yes, we do. Crystal. <laughs>
1: she's got it. she's the best.
0: Um so thank you for being here. Thank you for, you know, getting me through Podcast Live. I love it. Yes. It's just it's so different being a it's person. So it's so different. Yeah, it's um yeah, so I definitely want to do it more. Yay. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please share this episode on social media and tag me. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share. I can't wait to continue to inspire you all.